Hi, I'm Walter Hallam, and you're listening today to the Walter Hallam Ministries Podcast. Get ready to receive a powerful word from God today. Ruth is an interesting individual. You've got uh, Naomi, uh, who was Ruth's mother-in-law. You have her husband, and they have two sons. Uh, I'm just anticipating you've read the story uh, in, the, in the Word there in the Bible, but if not, I can just tell you just a couple of things real quickly to uh, refresh your memory or to bring you up to date. And so there's a famine that begins to take place, and her husband and Ruth, uh, I mean, and Naomi and their two sons, they decide to leave and go into a land where they were really not supposed to have been, but they went anyway. Uh, they actually were kin to uh, someone who was very wealthy. His name was Boaz. And in all probability, uh, they, they probably had some pretty good wealth themselves to begin with. Uh, but anyway, as they left, what they should have done, of course, is gone to their uh, kinfolk, uh, according to the law, and they should have just helped them through that famine, through, uh, through that particular time. But instead, they decided to do it their own way. And the scripture says that Naomi and her husband took their two sons and they went into a foreign land. They go into Moab. And when they go into Moab, uh, there their two sons ultimately marry two women. And historians say that these are Moabite priestess, that Ruth and Naomi were not just average women. They were people out of whose families were involved in uh, the, the actual worship of the temple where they were. And so they marry like that. And Naomi decided she's going to keep her testimony and keep her witness to a large degree. Uh, we don't know everything, but we know how that Ruth responded to her. And so uh, while they were in that land after a, a season of time, the scripture says that Naomi's husband dies and then her two sons die. And so at one time there were six of them. Uh, so you've got Naomi and you've got her husband, her two sons and the two daughters now, uh, two daughter-in-laws. So there's six of them. And at the height there's six and maybe they feel like, man, this thing's growing. It's expanding. Something is happening to them. And then in just a short period of time, there's only two of them left. The scripture says after the men had died, that Naomi and the two uh, daughter-in-laws, she decides we're going back to Jerusalem or back to Israel where we came from to that land of blessing. And so they begin to go back that way. And as they start to go back that way, Naomi is full of grief and she's full of anger. Uh, she's full of depression. Uh, she's talking about how bitter she is about things. But how many of you are glad things can always change? And uh, she tells her two daughter-in-laws, don't go back with me. Uh, I'm, I'm a rejected person and, and God has, has put this on me and all these kind of things. And uh, one of the daughters, uh, uh, Orpha, says, well, then I won't go back with you then. Can I just remind you that God has a plan? And even when things have gone wrong, even if there are things that you have done yourself, uh, and, and like the devil was just like over in the corner taking notes from you because maybe you just missed it. Anybody know what I'm talking about? But listen, God never forsakes you. 
He loves you. It doesn't make any difference. He has a plan for your life. And when you humble yourself to the Lord and you repent, come on, everybody shout repent. That means to change your mind and turn. Turn from whatever you're doing that's not of God, that you know is not, and make a decision that you're going to recover. Uh, you'll find out not only do you, when you make a decision to recover in Christ, God then activates what he calls restoration. So you'll recover, but he'll restore. And his plan will pick up. God has a way of bringing that to pass. And so the scripture says they decide to go back. And Orpha, one of the daughter-in-laws, says to Naomi, uh, I'm not going. If you're, if you're that way, then I, I'm not going to go. You should always be wise about how you talk to someone else, especially when you're going through a difficult time because God doesn't bail out of the boat and His plan is still established regardless of what your circumstance may be, whether it's an attack from the devil or it's self-afflicted. It doesn't make any difference. The result can be the same. But when you make a decision that you're going to serve the Lord regardless and you change, or the Bible calls it, repent. It's called changing your mind. The Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. In the book of James chapter 1 and about verse 6 or 7, it says a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. That's a stunning word. Uh, And if I had time, I would literally uh, break that down for you in the Greek. But uh, it just literally says if you have uh, two masters, basically, I know you have two ears, you got two eyes and all of those things, you know, but uh, the fact of the matter is you only need one master and that's the Lord. Come on. And don't be double minded about uh, how, who you're going to serve and how you're going to serve the Lord uh, in uh, every day of your life. Just make that decision that I'm not going to back up. It literally means uh, in, in, in reality, uh, a word we use today is split decision. And you don't need a split decision because that minded word there is the word suke. And uh, so it's the word dipsuke, which is a uh, literally a, just a, a tense of the word dia suke. Uh, dia, dip, and the tense makes it say that it is divided or it's split, double, die, dual. Somebody shout hallelujah. And then, of course, suke means soul. And so it's double-minded, double-souled, or split decisions. Listen, uh, you lose all split decisions. And we're not supposed to lose in Christ. Come on, shout hallelujah. Uh, Exactly the opposite. We are supposed to be following the Lord. And if we miss it, then we say, God, forgive me, but I'm going to keep going after you all the way. But we never turn around and go back into the world, into sin, into the things that God had set us free from. Well, so Naomi says, then I'm not going to go. And she turns around and goes back to Moab. And that's a whole different story. And it's a powerful, uh, it's a stunning story, uh, what takes place uh, according to history. But be that as it may, Ruth decides, well, I'm going to go. I'm going to follow you anyway, Naomi. And Naomi says, oh, you shouldn't follow me. I can't give you another son and, and he's going to have to grow up and then you'd have to wait to marry him. I can't give you another son. And she says, no, that's not it. Where you go, I'm going to go. Where you lodge, I'm going to lodge. Your people will be my people 
and your God will be my God. And so she, she makes that powerful covenant with her mother-in-law. And she decides that she's going with her uh, back to the land of blessing. So Naomi still thinks she is cursed or afflicted with this. And so they go back. And when they get back, uh, everybody else, it looks like they're prospering and it's not working well for them yet. Listen, my experience is that sometimes God allows you to stay at a certain level so you can maximize what you're doing for him at that level. So as God begins to increase you or raise you up or open a door for something else, Ooh, this is good. And maybe this message is just for me and nobody else tonight. But I'm telling you, it's talking to me right now that you're not a stranger when God has elevated you. Because when you get into something that's outside of your own capacity or outside of your own doing that God has led you into, that will expand, advance, increase you, uh, bless you. And I'm not talking about being a preacher. I'm just talking about in life. As God begins to open the door, you really don't learn how to live at the next level when you get to the next level. You've already got that working in your spirit, man, right now. And then you're maximizing that and you're pressing. And as God opens the door and you continue to increase, look, it has so much to do with what you think. I just can't overemphasize that. You just cannot overemphasize it. Your, your thought life is so important. When you change your mind, you will change your life. I mean, if the scripture says that God is able to do, God is able to do in our lives exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or, come on, shout it out loud. Ask or think. He said, ask or think, Ephesians uh, uh, 4, uh, ask or think according to the power that works within us. You have to ask and think according to the power that works within you. So what's working within you? Is it just flesh and blood only? Or do you have the power of the Holy Spirit? Do you have the Word of God? Do you have the, the, the vision and the dream of, of succeeding for Jesus? in everything that you do, and that you're willing to press that direction. Look, if you are, the Bible says God will cause you to exceed that. And He will do that through you in your life. And you never get too old, and you're never too young to expect the change. The Bible says we are changed into His image from glory to glory, from experience to experience. By the Spirit of the Lord. Now that's important to understand that. We should never quit changing. There should always be an impact in our life of God uh, increasing us, understanding increasing, our work increasing, our expectation uh, increasing. Uh, There is a definite necessity in serving the Lord in having a renewed mind, to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Naomi's coming out of Moab. Uh, She's Jewish. She's supposed to be back in Israel. And she's coming out, but she's thinking that she is totally cursed. But she has a daughter-in-law who will not buy into her negativity. She has another daughter-in-law who did and turned and went back and lived under the curse 
And according to, uh, to uh, Hebrew uh, tradition and the religious tradition, they actually believe that she, of course, was one of the ancestors or one of the, produced uh, one of the offspring uh, of Goliath. Oh, yeah. That Goliath was like a grandchild of hers. Now, the Bible doesn't say that, but that's what Jewish history teaches, that Goliath came through that. And just segue for a moment on that, because Ruth ultimately marries Boaz, and they have a son, Obed, and he has a son, Jesse, and Jesse has a son, his name is David. And so you have grandchildren of these two women, one made the decision to go back, and one made a decision to serve Jehovah God. It didn't make any difference what. I'm going all the way with you, Naomi. So get back to the land of the blessing because I'm going with you to the land of blessing. And something about Naomi's witness in her life, even in that uh, uh, desperate situation she was in, and that state of mind so appealed to Ruth that she left the Moabite and Moab and she begins to serve Jehovah God. And she goes that direction. And because she made that change, things can always change. Come on, shout it out loud. Things can always change. She goes from being a refugee who's coming in there with uh, Naomi, her mother-in-law. She goes from being that to being one of the wealthiest women in the region in just a span of about a year. Oh my goodness. Oh, hallelujah. I do not believe that Ruth ever let the curse that was going through the mind of Naomi ever get in her. I don't care what someone else thinks. Listen, if it's contrary to the plan of God and the goodness of God for your life, and God's Word, you've got to stick with the Word and renew the thought reflex of your mind. The Bible calls it the spirit of your mind. Uh, you should have an eternal expectation. Amen. Faith produces an expectation. The Scripture says, actually, in Romans, Paul said that tribulation worketh uh, uh, an expectation. It has a hope involved with it. Uh, it's, it's a powerful, powerful word. There's a patience that comes. And out of the patience, of course, comes an experience. And then you have an expectation. A lot of times we don't stay with it long enough to get experience to begin to expect that God is going to do what he said he's going to do. Things can always change. I hear that for someone in here tonight. Things can always change. Listen, church, with God, nothing's impossible. Amen. Things change. Things change when you pray. Prayer doesn't change God. Prayer changes things. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Things is a, a very inclusive word. So it doesn't just mean cars and, and, and rings or bracelets and stuff. Things could actually mean what the thing that you are needing, desiring, or praying for. Without faith, the Bible says it's impossible to please God. But faith will produce the substance of the thing that you are expecting from God. 
things always can change in Christ. I don't care how bad the report is. Anyone ever had? No, don't raise your hand on this. But if you've ever had a bad report from your physician because you've got uh, some, something working against you in your body and stuff, and it may seem desperate, as desperate as it can be, but things can change. Oh, hallelujah, things can change. Maybe finances are, are as strained and stretched as they can be. Anybody ever been in that boat before? Listen, things can change. Things can change. Uh, with God, nothing's impossible. We either believe it or we don't. But if we believe according to the Word of God, things change. Uh, in conclusion, Naomi and Ruth go back there. God is not bound by the last thing He did. But He's always moving you toward the next thing that He wants to do. If we're not careful, we try to hold on to the last thing. And make that the only thing or the only way God can do something. But God can change things real quick. Amen. Things can just shift. It can be as quick as a phone call. It can be an email. Uh, things can change. And they can change quickly. Come on, tell two people real quick. Say, things can just change. They just change. Somebody needs to hear that tonight. I keep hearing it in my spirit. Things can change just like that. Oh, hallelujah. Things can just change. Things can just change. Things can change. It's not the last thing. Ooh, how should I say that, Lord? We talk about we are God chasers. That we like to chase after God. But sometimes we like to chase after the God or what He did yesterday. Instead of living strong today and pursuing what He's going to do next. Because we're not bound, and nor can you live just on yesterday's manna. You have to make that decision. Glory to God. That you're going to be in your place, doing your part. I've thought about David many times. And my time's about up. But I want you to hear this. I've thought about David very many, many times. I've probably preached on David almost as many times as I had the woman with the issue of blood in my first 40 years of actually uh, being in pulpits and teaching uh, the gospel. And it's an interesting thing that David is a son of Jesse and he is sent out to take care of the sheep, which no self-respecting father in the, the, the place of Jesse would have done that to his sons. He would have other people who would go and watch the sheep because it was too risky. David kills a bear, he kills a lion, you know the stories that are in the scripture there. And so he was a powerful young man, but he could have gotten an attitude so quick. And here Samuel comes. He says, I'm going to anoint the next king. And God's told me to go to Jesse's house because he's got these, these I think it's eight sons all together. Uh, he says, go there and look at them. And so he goes with this uh, horn filled with oil. It's, that's a unique thing in itself, but for time, we'll just go forward with this. Uh, so he goes with this, uh, this horn filled with oil, and he says, do you have some sons, Jesse, that I can look at? I believe God has told me that one of your sons will be the next king after Saul. And so he starts bringing these handsome, good-looking guys in. Uh, the scriptures begin to talk about it a little bit. And when he started to pour the oil on him, he would say, no, that's not the one. Bring me the next one. 
No, that's not the one. And so he goes through all of these sons. And finally, Samuel believed in his own gift. So he knew he had not missed God. So he turns to, to Jesse and says, don't you have any other kids? Is this all you have? And uh, Jesse's like, well, I have one more, but he's out taking care of sheep. I wish I had time to just talk about that a little bit because David did not let that complex get in him when he was not treated like the other sons. And so David made it a decision out there taking care of the sheep that he was even going to risk his life to save a sheep. Uh, when a bear and a lion came, he was going to do it with all of his might. Well, uh, Samuel, the prophet says, we're not even going to sit down until you get that boy and bring him in here. Like I've, I've driven a long way. I've burned up a lot of gas getting over here and here I am. And I'm not even going to sit down until you bring that other son in here because I believe God told me the next king of Israel would be in this house. And so they go and get David and David comes in there and I'm sure everybody's watching the, uh, the whole ceremony. And when Samuel saw him, he said, this is the one. Things can change. Things can change so quick. Things can just change. And what I see that's so powerful about that, David, in just the natural, could have told himself, you know, they don't like you. They disrespect you. Uh, in all probability, David was a half-brother to the other brothers. Uh, that's quite a story because you never see David's mother. You see uh, the, the, anyone ever called David's mother, though you see uh, the other sons, they have a mother. But when it comes to David, it's never, uh, his mother's never named. That's an interesting thought. Uh, once again, according to uh, Jewish history, uh, that David was the, uh, that his mother was either a Moabite or she was uh, uh, someone that who was not Jewish. His father was, Jesse was. But uh, Jesse obviously would have probably had uh, an affinity of some uh, kind toward foreign people those who were not necessarily Jewish because his own grandmother was Ruth. Can I have an amen in here? And she was a Moabite, so he probably didn't have as much a barrier there, but that's just what they say. And then when you begin to see what David said about it, I was conceived in iniquity. Uh, he talks about how he was conceived uh, outside of, of that plan of, of, uh, of uprightness. And apparently Jesse had that issue. Uh, but, and then David picked it up also, and, and then Solomon picked it up after him, and his other sons did also. Are y'all listening to me? Yes. So you should guard your heart and get rid of your iniquity. Uh, listen, put that on the altar before Jesus and get, get rid of that. Okay, I'm almost done. See, y'all got me chasing all these rabbits, and here's what I'm trying to say. David had all the justification in the natural if he'd have wanted to, to say, you know what? They don't like me. I'm risking my life for these bunch of smelly sheep out here. I'm not going to do it. And he could have just taken a break that day and not been diligent and not do what he should be doing. But instead, David says, you know what? I'm going to be out here and I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do. And if I'm going to be a shepherd, I'm going to be the best one I can be. And in that particular quality in him, he was developing a skill and a, and a warfare ability that he had no idea one day God would use him with one little rock to change the world. He changed the world with a little stone. Can you imagine what would have happened that day? Uh, uh, if, if he would have been there, Sergio, come help me. Can you just think about it? If he would have been there that day and picked up this attitude and he decided, you know, I think I'll just go do something else. 
And then Samuel is there on that particular day. I wonder how many times that day David had to fight off the urge to leave those bunch of sheep out there and to go do something else. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't know that Samuel was coming. The Bible doesn't say that he knew it. Uh, but for sure, uh, Jesse and, his, uh, and the other boys did. And so maybe he didn't know the high priest was coming to try to anoint someone out of that household to be the next king. Maybe he, that added to his uh, uh, complexion there, where he was like, I, you know, this is so unfair. It's just wrong. And in the natural, it probably was wrong. But David rose above that. Come on, shout, things can change. He rose above that. My experience is that your next breakthrough is right on the other side of that mountain that you're speaking to right now. Don't give in. Stay in faith. Speak to that mountain. Stay upright before God because that breakthrough that you're desiring is right on the other side. Oh, hallelujah. And so instead of not being in his place doing his part, he makes a decision to be there, obviously. Otherwise, what if Samuel had sent and said, go out there and find that boy. And when they went to look for him, what if David had decided, you know what? I just don't feel right or I'm upset or I'm mad or, or maybe, I'm, maybe he was tempted some other way and he just decides to miss God and to not follow that still small voice on the inside that says, whatever you put your hand to, do it with all your might and do it as unto the Lord. Can you imagine if they would have come looking for him, then they would have turned and gone back and said, hey, we, we looked all over, but he, he's just not there. He just got upset maybe and he left. I don't know why he did, but he's just not there. My experience has also been that when God is about to take you through take you over and bring you into something else. He doesn't necessarily look for you where you are. He looks for you where you're supposed to be. God can find you right there. And then it's time and from right there, uh, God can elevate you. Uh, things can change. Things can change. The little boy with the five loaves and two fishes, he goes there I imagine all day long he was having hunger pains. He probably wanted to eat everything there. Uh, but he was listening. Let's assume he's listening to Jesus and whoever this young lad is. He's listening. And then they come and they say, we need some food. And the master's looking for food. The teacher's looking for food. And you're the only one that has food. Can you agree that Peter and John didn't hold him down and rob his five little loaves and two fishes from him? So maybe he talked to his parents. I'm not really sure. But somehow or another, he decided, here, I'll just give it to you. Take it to Jesus. Listen, when God is looking for you, he's not looking for you out here where the dream is, where the distraction is. He's looking for you where you're supposed to be. If you're upright before the Lord, you're, you're praying, you, uh, you study the Word of God, you take your time with God, uh, everywhere you go, you make that decision. You're going to live strong for Jesus Christ. You never know what taxi you're going to get in and somebody say, aren't you that guy off of TV? Yeah. You never know what country you're going to be in. You never know what grocery store you're going to be in. And someone just needs prayer. Come on, shout hallelujah. hallelujah. 
when he brought me early this morning to the airport, his name was Michael. Michael said, uh, and, and he's got kind of a, almost a, a Caribbean accent and stuff. And he says, uh, pastor, would you pray for me before you get out of the, the cab? I said, absolutely. I'll pray for you. And so I, I just took his hand and I prayed with him. He said, I never want to pass up a chance to receive a blessing. I said, well, I never want to pass up a chance to pray and release a blessing. So I believe something good's going to happen for him. And I believe it's happening for me right now in Jesus name. Are you listening? When you're in your place, it's amazing how God begins to cause things to just happen. The next thing you know, his daddy says something like, yeah, so what? You've been anointed to be king. Big deal. Here's what I want you to do. Take these cheese and go carry it to your brothers. They're real soldiers. And bring the cheese there. And they mocked him when he got there. But he was in his place doing his part. Come on, say it one more time. Things can change. I don't know what your circumstance is, but you're right here tonight. You're in your place doing your part. For this few minutes we're together. I believe this is a word of God for somebody right now. Things can change. Things can change. Anyone have something working in your spirit and you're believing God for that change right now? Come on, wave your hand if I'm talking to you. Let's stand on our feet right now, would you please? Just stand on your feet right now. Glory to God. Things can change. Things can change. The report your physical report can change. That cancer can leave. That arthritis can leave. Things can change. Hope can come where hopelessness was trying to take over. Faith can arise according to the word where unbelief or doubt was trying to take over. God has a plan for your life. And if you feel like God has no plan for me, I'm the useless one. Listen, that is a lie from the devil. I tell you in Jesus' name, things can change. You continue to pursue the Lord just like you're doing. Look, I applaud you because you're in church on a Wednesday night on a cold night. But you know what that says to me? Somebody's pressing to be more like the Lord every day. They want to serve God. They want to know Him. Glory to God. I believe God can use you. I believe this week, before this week is over with, someone will come across your path. It, they may not be someone that says, hey, I was watching TV and they did a crowd shot and you were sitting in church the other day. That may not be what it is. It might be, it might be the taxi driver saying, would you just pray for me before you go? I'm like, let's pray right now, man. That's the Holy Ghost. I said, that's the Holy Ghost. He said, let me, can I introduce you to somebody? There's another one of the cab drivers. This is a true story. This just happened to me this week. Another cab driver. And he called this person and said, would you, would you come meet us over there? And he said, would you minister to her? Would you just minister to her for a minute? I said, sure I will. I didn't have anything to say to her, but I found out that if you'll be in the right place at the right time, God will work through you. And then I just shared what was in my heart. And just tears were in her face, running down her eyes. Things can change. So I'm talking to you about it tonight. In the name of Jesus, things can change. I believe they're going to change. Just listen, wherever you feel like you are right now, if you're up against the battle, 
Just remember, you're training to live at a higher level. You're training, you're being prepared by God to continue to elevate in your life. And you never know uh, the full plan because eye has not seen nor ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of men the things that God has prepared for those that love Him, but He will reveal it by His Spirit. I found out it's progressive. But God has things that are prepared for you already. And some of those things you will never know except by revelation. He has to reveal it to you as you serve God, as you stay in that Christian walk, in that faith-filled walk, in that Holy Ghost walk, being willing to pray, speak the Word of God, and do what God tells you to do. Look, don't get addicted to just making a bunch of money. Be blessed. If you're called to be a paymaster, be a paymaster. Don't get addicted to a dollar. Somebody shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. Listen, don't be deceived by a dollar. My experience has been, and I can talk about it as broadly as it needs to be talked about it, I guess, that if, if Satan can't hold you back, he'll try to push you too far sometimes. So you ask God for that balance. Ask God for that balance and be right where God is calling you to be. And you can be there. You can be in the will of God for your life. You can be sure it will contain prayer. It will contain uh, learning the Word of God, reading the Word of God. It will contain the Holy Ghost in your life. This is Walter Hallam, and I want to thank you for listening today and just receiving that good Word of God that you've gotten off of this podcast. You know, bringing a podcast to you, it's free to you, but it costs to take the gospel of Jesus to the world. You can be a partner. You can help support. Uh, Men and women I found are so generous when the Word of God is coming into their life. They want to help take that gospel to someone else. You can text to give today to 832-981-1601. And you can give any support, any amount, and it will be a great blessing. And it will help take the gospel of Jesus uh, to someone else. We'll go the next day and the next day. So text to give today, 832-981-1601. And I want to thank you in advance because without you and with others who support, it would be so difficult for us to get the good news of Jesus Christ into this great generation. Do your part today. Thanks for helping. I love you. I can't wait to see you on the next podcast.